Hi, and welcome to Game Time Podcast, the NFL edition, with your hosts, Alex Rubinson and Shai Dweck. We haven't made a podcast since the beginning of the NFL season, so we have a ton to get to. We'll start with previewing the two championship games, so let's get right into it, because it's Game Game Time! time. We'll start off with the Rams at Saints NFC Championship game. Shai? Well, this game really came down to the wire. I mean, the Saints came out to an early advantage, and then they sort of just lost momentum, and it really comes down to that end of the game over time, and obviously you can't look at this game without seeing that huge P.I. no call. I agree. Go, kind of, you know, going to the no call, a lot of fans forget that the previous drive, the Rams had the ball inside the five-yard line, they were driving, and Jared Goff on second down, he was as he was kind of lunging at around the two-yard line, there was um, a face mask, and that was no call. Now, it wasn't as blatant. It wasn't as egregious as the uh, Tommy Lee Lewis, uh, Nikhil Roby Coleman right. no call. But, you know, however way you put it, it was a missed call. So they actually missed a call on the um, Rams as well, where had the call been made, it would have been first and goal at the one, where I know nothing is guaranteed in this league, but in that situation, I'm putting my money on the Rams scoring a touchdown there. Right. That's, that's a really great point, because I think a lot of people aren't looking at that aspect of it. And take away the circumstances of this. I mean, those face masks and pass interference are two of the biggest personal fouls in football. And, you know, they're both 15-yard penalty Or not 15 Well, P.I. is a spot foul, but that's a 15-yard Well, they penalty. also said they missed helmet-to-helmet. So... Uh, right. only, obviously, one would have been declined, one would have been accepted, but either it would have been spot foul or a 15-yard penalty um, on the is, Saints. Those are just two big missed calls, and just to show that something, maybe not as egregious as you said, but something big, something did miss call happen, maybe if it wasn't in that spotlight of the moment where everyone's not looking for it. But, you know, it did happen. I mean, no one, I think no one's talking about the missed face mask call is because... The Rams end up winning the game, um, and also now it's kind of being overshadowed by a more blatant call mm-hmm. um, on the other side of the ball. Plus, um, you know, a, even though it was a short period of time, a lot happened. There was a lot of, you know, excitement, tense moments. So the more recent blown call is more likely to stick with the majority of, you know, the people watching the game. People... <laughs> I do have a problem with Saints fans saying, oh, we got robbed and everything. Well, they did in a way. I mean, They did, but they had a ton of chances to either put this game away or win the game. But that's football, Alex. I mean, but you have chances. You don't always come up with them. No team can play a perfect game. That's just the I'm not. Sa- I'm not saying about playing a perfect game or not. I'm just saying that... I agree they had chances. But- they, they had a lot of chances. I mean, they got the ball to start overtime. You score a touchdown, you, the game are, ends. The why, game ends. Why can't you argue that that's just very good defense on the Rams' part, but they made adjustments? They did. Okay, but okay. Let's go to the first drive of the game. Zero, okay. zero, 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 same to the ball they were driving, correct? Correct. Drew Brees had perfectly thrown ball to Dan Arnold. Arnold dropped in the end zone. They That was third down. They had to settle for a field goal. Mm-hmm. That's one instance. If they score a touchdown, I know obviously a lot of things can change. But that was that. Okay, let's go to a little bit later in the game. Rams have the ball third and long. But deep, in, deep in their own territory. Goff throws a little, 
you know, pass out front to Gurley, right through Gurley's hands, picked off to, by Demario Davis. Saints get the ball at the 15, they go three and out, or they end up having having to kick a field goal. That's two instances. Then, no, I get this, but but they had multiple chances from the beginning of the I game. I get where you're going and with the this. End of the game. And I agree. To put this game away, and they just could not do it. I I agree. I think it's not great football, but it's gonna happen in football games. And you know, every game that things happen. Sometimes it's more mistakes than others. And I just think you're it's high, more highlighted because of how the big how stage, the game ended. How the big yeah, and I I think it's still. Gonna come down to that big call in the end of the game because well, because that's what people are gonna remember. I mean, but I don't think they're wrong to remember it. They're not wrong to remember it, but we have to remember. You know, we can't remember one played game. We have to remember the entire game. And even after, remember, it's not like the Saints didn't score on that drive. Do you think the Rams deserve to win the game? That that that's the big thing. Did the Rams play collectively better than the Saints? Were they the better? I'm not going to say, are they the better team in this matchup? The Saints they play made more mistakes. Game. I'll say that. The Saints beat themselves up many times during the game. But they had chances. I'm not... I think... Who played a better overall game? That's what I want to know. I'll say the Saints, but I don't think the Rams got in just because of the penalty. The Saints had multiple chances to... to um, just put this game away. And they just beat themselves up when they had a, when they had chances. And I think even when even when you go to you know right after the right after the penalty, um, you know it's the same score to field goal. They had the lead. The defense didn't stop the Rams. The defense had a chance to stop them. I know the Rams only needed a field goal, but it's not like that they didn't score at all or they scored just to tie the game. The Saints took the lead on that drive. Yeah, another thing about this is. You know, if you're a Rams fan, are you are you thinking, you know, well, these, you know, these if you're a Rams, bad... These, if you're a Rams fan, you don't care what happened. All you care about is that you won the game. I, I think you're partially right, but you can't think back, you can't think back to that call, because you're not, you're not stupid, you know it's pass interference, and, and you, you hear everything that's around you, and you're probably thinking, well, it's football, missed calls happen, and... I think missed calls are costing people games. I think this happened. I think they have a solid point because this happened throughout the regular season. And who knows? Other teams may have been in the playoffs if if these missed calls would have happened. We don't know. Or but, made calls would not have happened. Right, right. I feel like we saw a lot of made calls not happening. Actually, you mean like bad, bad, bad made calls? Bad made calls. Right. Well, okay. it was a bit. It was a big mixture. Same, same sort of thing. It was a big mixture, especially on those PIs, right? So I think that's the main thing. I think, I think that this happens in football. I think we need to change it because of how it's affecting. But there's gonna be these calls. I think it's way too egregious to let it slip. But it's just it's happened before, you know. Another and thing, the thing, that I, the thing that I really like, you know, it's like okay, I get it, you're upset, but now you're trying to file like you're suing them. That's what I kind of think is a little pathetic. Right, yeah. I mean, come on. It's not like that was the entire game you lost solely because of that play. As I said, you had the drop touchdown pass by Dan Arnold. You had the ball at the 15. You couldn't do anything with that. You couldn't stop the Rams right after the field goal. And then obviously Drew Brees, obviously Dante Fowler does a great job getting Drew Brees, hits him, and, you know, and then the interception happens. So... The Saints had a lot of opportunities 
to either early in the game to put it away or to win the game late or hold on to the and lead. Now, it wasn't just that penalty. It wasn't just that no call. Plus, I think you look even a few plays before, they threw the ball. Um, it was an awful pass to Michael Thomas from Drew Brees. Drew Brees underthrew him. If you run the ball twice right there, you already take out a considerable chunk of clock. It's mm-hmm. not like they're saying it could be coaching too, you know. I mean, I, I don't think it was all coaching, but I think there could have been better clock management. Honestly, you know, two play one or two plays before that play, because you know I know I'm not saying there'd be no time left if you had run the ball there, but mm-hmm. there'd be a considerably less amount of time remaining for the Rams to score. Now, if I think back to that P.I. call, you know, I'm a Steelers fan, and I just, I, I have to think back to the Steelers playing in that Superdome, and I was there, there, and I remember on this fourth down, you know, Drew Brees is, you know, I mean, rolling okay. out, right, and he's about to get sacked, and he just chucks one at the end zone, and they, they're going to get Joe Hayden on pass interference on Alvin Kamara. He barely touches his back. It's just—it's clearly a ridiculous call. The Saints fans are out there saying, "I don't know if that's correct, but you know, we'll take it." And I, I'm just shaking my head because that—you could. They, there's a very good chance that's a seven-point swing. You know, they get the ball on the one-yard line, they score. Otherwise, we get the ball on the Saints. What say on the About, on around, around midfield? Four, around, around midfield. Around midfield, right? Very good field position. And you know, that'd be a fourteen. That that'd game. be a fourteen-point swing, though. Because right. if you if they yeah, score, that could be that's not more. set. That's seven almost, or more points, right? Seven or more, but that could end up being negative, not negative I mean, seven, but taking away some from them and adding. And we only really lost to by a field goal, and I think those that call we could have easily gone gone the playoffs like that if we would have won that game. Now the Steelers did do. I'm a big Steelers fan. We should have won a lot of other games, but if I just focus in on that, <coughs> Chris Boswell, right? It's it's hard not to think of that. And say, okay, well, it does happen. Now, I think the the one with the Robbie Cohen was more egregious, but they're both more blatant, more, more egregious. Blatant. I but mean, I think Joe Hayden hardly touched them. I think I think they're both terrible calls. The NFL needs to fix it, or maybe make PI reviewable or challengeable one, in some way. I think it needs to. These are costing games. The one thing about good. you know making um, you know penalties and pass interference calls reviewable. If there's a bang bang play, a lot of it might differ from one from one referee to the next. Which I don't want to say it's a it's not a complete opinion what's pi and what's not, but there is a gray area. So, you know it's tough because they you know they on these calls these I think do need to be you know in kind of with reviewing with replay. But there's a very there's not I, there's a gray area. In between, you know, what is and isn't. I kind of feel like the refs are either, you know, taking control of the game with these unnecessary penalties, or they're... Or not calling or, penalties or that are necessary. Or just being too scared to throw the flag and be the ones to, you know, ice the game. Because that would have been, that would have happened at the same. Yeah, I so, mean, I know there are a couple of times, you know, for, I'm a Giants fan, there are a couple of times where, you know, Landon Collins was caught for helmet to helmet, even though he all he was doing was going for the ball, and I believe that if you're going for the ball, even if there might be some helmet-to-helmet, I don't think it should be called. Then, against the Eagles, uh, Odell was being, you know, in the end zone, like, the guy, cornerback, Santa, I forgot who it was, like, hooked him, and no call was made. Um, that, so, I think that's less bladed. That happens in the NFL a lot. 
Like a hook. And well, no it doesn't. Corn. It doesn't matter if it. Well, I mean, he kind of hooked his arm around the hip. Well, it doesn't matter if how blatant it is. If it's a but call, it needs to be called. That happened in the Steelers Saints game too. I mean, these are their big plays, and they're not getting it right. You know, but I want to move on from this. I want to. Let me get go to Patriots Chiefs. Yes, and I, as you know, I've talked. I'm very pissed off at D Ford. I mean. I mean, you're not a. You you have to be smarter in that situation. You have to know where the line of scrimmage is, where you are, and you know you you just have to put those things together and just make the smart move. Because remember, on that play, Daniel Sorensen, who had a great game, had the interception that would have sealed the deal for the Chiefs, and we'd be talking well, that about a second range. interception. I'm pretty yes, that would that was right. uh, would have been because he had the interception off right. Edelman's hands. Um. So that was his first. So Sorensen actually had a very had a great game. Um, and there were two big things I think in that game where I was kind of like shaking my head a little bit. Mahomes One, missed wide open Damian Williams. Well, for talk. Well, yeah, but if we're talking about penalties, that that uh, roughing the passer on Chris Jones, that was ridiculous. That, I I agree, but I think there were also some holding calls maybe on Gronk later that they didn't call. I but um, I think that was just why would you call that? He he. He doesn't like he gets him on the shoulder pad like a little bit. It's no, I he mean, did get some on the helmet. I mean, God forbid no, no, no. you breathe, breathe on Tom Brady. I mean, it's kind of you know. I think I think though he did get some of the helmet, but I, not, I don't think it's you can call that. No, I'm not saying they should. They shouldn't have called it. It was a bad and that's bad a 15 call. Fifteen yard swing right there. You know, you, no, fifteen yard swing. That was third down, if I'm correct. I know it was, and, and I it, think it was what third and ten. So. I'm pretty sure at that stage in the game, at that stage of where they went on the field, they would have had to punt. Right. I mean, also, I I can't... I think the Chiefs played a really good game. I, I think, though, think there's one thing that... There's a, I found a flaw in Mahomes. I found a flaw in Mahomes. Well, no one's unflawed. And this this is... and you know, But no, this is very... Co- this is coachable. This is, this is just... Um, this isn't talent. This is just knowing the situation. So I kind of said how... Oh, you know, Damien Williams, no one was in within 20 yards of him. He yeah. missed He missed him. You know, that's on talent. Damien Williams just sort of stopped running. But I mean, I when you're that, when you're that wide open, I don't yeah. think. Like it, no, but anyway, that's the 23-yard line after the, you know, incomplete pass. So they're in field goal range. But the Patriots, who did a great job getting pressure on Mahomes all game long, got pressure early. And instead of Mahomes just throwing it away or taking a quick, you know, five, seven-yard sack, he decided to try to make something out of nothing and end up being a 14-yard sack. Right. Which I remember the, that, right. Which, and that took them it out of... It looked like he could have fumbled that, too, if he wasn't... He actually fumbled later, but he recovered yeah. it, so that didn't have a big impact. But he, you know, you can't take that 14-yard sack, because then, you know, in the, the cold... The, even Tom Brady does it. Remember against the Dolphins? Yeah. I'm just saying other people do it. I, they do it, but I I'm mean... I'm going to defend the players a little bit here. Yeah, I, th- I, but I don't think Brady would have done that again. In that situation, no, but... Brady doesn't do that. But I, I think that Mahomes... Brady was more on the time. It wasn't taking the sack. It was that he didn't throw it away. Mahomes was, take the sack, that's okay, but don't run backwards 14 yards and then take the sack mm-hmm. because that pushes him out of field goal range. You know, we all know the game ended up going into overtime, so obviously that was a very, everything you matters, know, right. yeah, everything matters. So, 
you know, that takes them out of field goal range. They have to punt, obviously, instead of possibly getting a touchdown just, um, to Damian Williams. They get zero. So that's just, it's coachable, and Mahomes hopefully will learn from this. But that's more on just, you have to know the situation. And obviously, Brady, Belichick, they'll make you pay for those kind of mistakes. They'll make you pay for those mental errors. Another thing is sort of that Julian Edelman sort of, like, muffish punt thing. Yeah, where did he, did he or did, did he, he not, not touch it? I, I don't know. I I was looking at my TV, and I could have sworn it, it, it hit his sort of upper bicep. It did not. I, I don't know. If That's anything, I like think it me. grazed his um thumb, one of his thumbs. I don't think it hit his... Um, it looked like it, it, it hit it, I don't think it hit his arm. I don't know. I thought well, it also, I think a big thing that, you know, there was no... Um, uh, the ball on the like trajectory and where it was heading, that didn't it didn't like hit something and like immediately go off to the left or right. I didn't think there was conclusive evidence to overturn it. That's the one thing. I think that I don't think it touched him, but was there enough evidence to definitively say no just because of the call in the field? And there wasn't. Yes. Now I do want to cl- clarify um things for some people who don't know. Obviously, the Chiefs, um. You know, during when they picked it up and scored a touchdown, even if um it was marked that he did touch it on a mu- on a muff punt, you cannot advance the ball. So it would have been Chiefs ball. But a very good field position. Yeah, but it actually not ma- it didn't matter because like two plays later, it hit off Edelman's hands and it was inter- intercepted. And it was intercepted right. by the yeah. aforementioned uh, Daniel Sorensen. So that actually, although it was a big play, I just think it's interesting. I don't know. Although it was a big play at the time, it actually, in the long run, didn't have much of an impact. As some like the D Ford missing Damian Williams wide open and taking the sack. Those were the three plays for me that really made the big difference. Yeah, and really the Chiefs didn't. I think the Chiefs gave great effort against a, against a good Patriots team. I thought they were going to win at yeah, one point, I, but I, they just didn't capitalize. You know that drive. I mean that drive where they got to the twenty three yard line, the missed wide open. Damien Williams, and then the sack. Obviously, we're not saying if those plays are made, the Chiefs win, because a lot, you know, the rest of the game could move differently. Um, but obviously, the um, the Chiefs had had some missed opportunities. And, but I think you have to give credit to Belichick, especially what he did against Mahomes. I mean, it's, it's in the added- first half. In the first half, like I think if I'm, uh, I might be mistaken. We but may they, like, hate not- him. We may hate him passionately. Well, I mean, as but, a as a Giants fan, I do. I mean, I know it's before I was born. Fan. Before I was born, I, I do you, appreciate. And a little I will what be he rooting did. passionately against them, but you have to respect the machine of Brady and Belichick. I don't know how they do it, especially with Belichick. When you see, right. I mean, Thursday was Sean McVay's birthday. He turned thirty three. In college, he played against Julian Edelman. Who is yeah, a receiver for the opposing team? So any you know where you have Matt Nagy and Sean McVay and Cliff Kingsbury and Matt Lafleur, you have all these young guys in their thirties, maybe early forties at most, coaching Belichick, who's like in his sixties, and to Pete Carroll as well. Um, but right now we're talking about Belichick. He's done just a great job year in and year out, and that's why you know. Mm-hmm. A few weeks ago, I picked the Patriots. Shy thought it was nuts. What? What? Against the Chiefs? No, just to go to the Super Bowl and win. No, I, I know, I know nuts, the Rams might win. But I, 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 I you said, thought I was crazy. I said they didn't have enough talent. I thought Patrick Mahomes was too good. 
And I was wrong. They proved me wrong again. And I thought it was... I just don't know. No, so the, I think you they can find nev- ways to win. Until... So crazy. Until the Patriots are officially eliminated and officially are done, you can't, you can't say no to them winning. I think you can't count them out. And the Patriots, they want you to count them out. They love when you pick against them. They love when you... They loved when everyone thought the Chiefs would win and when Vegas came out as the as Chiefs were the favorites. And they love that. No, I don't disagree. Um, I, I think I, Chiefs and the Saints both did great efforts. I think... You know, that's the thing. I love. Them, I think yeah. this was like the first time in NFL history we had, like on the same day or like we had two oh, overtime sorry. championship games and you know I know it's you know, if, unless you're really a Chiefs or Saints fan where it's you know really depressing what happened. Those were two outstanding games, and I love that about you know the NFL because you know the last few years we've always had like one great game and one lousy game. Right. We had two games that obviously they both but went into overtime. They both came down right to the wire. You could, you you know, here's it's a, nonstop here's action. Here's a question for you. Peter Mack and the Patriots. At this point, who is more essential to the equation? Belichick or Brady? I just want to know your thought. I'm going to say Belichick. I, I would agree. Just because Gronk and Edelman were playing poorly coming in. And I'm going to also say Belichick and a little Josh McDaniels. Because Josh McDaniels, you know, because I know Belichick's a great overall head coach, but what McDaniels does specifically offensively is incredible. I'm surprised he isn't taking a head coaching job. Well, remember remember there was news about him possibly replacing Bill Belichick, and I I just can't, I can't, I would not do that if I was Robert Kraft at all, but. Well, I think that's when Belichick, I mean, it's not like Belichick's in his 40s, you know, he's now, you know, spring chicken. I know, but it doesn't matter if you're an NFL coach and you're as dominant as he is. I know. I, I think because remember, there's a whole you know he said he was going to the Colts, then he backed out, and I think he and Kraft had a discussion, had a conversation. You Do you think that involved him possibly having the head coaching job and Belichick steps away? I find when whenever that may be, or maybe in a certain period. of I'm time. I'm not saying definitely. But you think there had to. be But I think involved. there had to be some talk regarding. Um, him now, being, him being let's, like, you know, let's not the forget, successor. last year, there was some tension building up in the Patriots organization, something that's sort of unheard of there, and it was about, sort of after the trade deadline with Jimmy Garoppolo, there was news out that Belichick, Belichick wanted to keep Garoppolo and maybe send off Brady, as crazy as that sounds. And then obviously Brady felt threatened, and Kraft, being, you know, loving Brady, um... Say for Belichick's the GM, but Kraft basically said forced Belichick to trade Garoppolo um, to the Forty ers who obviously he then signed a huge deal with San Francisco. Which you know it would have been interesting because even if they do try to keep Garoppolo, I mean, are you gonna franchise him? Because like even if you know they pay him a lot of money. A guy like Garoppolo, where he's already spent, you know, four four years in the league and he hasn't started many games, only the two that Brady got suspended for, um, and then he got injured. Um, you know, he probably I think I think he wanted to start somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, and be the guy, the franchise guy somewhere. So it would have been interesting to see if they don't trade him, does he come back to New England as a free agent? Because there's the possibility that he he wants to leave, 
you know, regardless of what the Patriots want to do. Unless they franchise him, obviously, then he has no choice. Right. Now, I have to agree, Belichick, this seems crucial. Maybe not in the, in the short term. That's it. Maybe they have one losing season. As soon as they get into somewhere else, then Belichick, which is in the long run, I think Belichick is more crucial. So at this point, I think Brady is sort of benefiting from sort of Belichick's schemes. Because when I watch Brady play, he's still phenomenal. But I feel like I look back three, you know, two or three years ago, so and I'm saying, wow, that's a phenomenal throw to squeeze that in there. And here I'm saying, well, that's just a really good call. You know, also, so I'm uh, saying it's just good scheming. Da- I think that's Belichick. Dante Scarnecki, their online coach, the Patriots. Brady, uh, I think there was one negative play by the Patriots in the Chiefs game. Do you know what that play was? Uh, I don't recall. It was at the very, right after the Chiefs kicked the uh, game time field goal, it was when they kneeled to send the game in overtime. That was their only negative play of the game. Wow. So that really speaks, because Sonny Michelle has had and a, I don't think a, this offensive line of the Patriots is that is super, super talented. It's not bad. Like, these o- offensive it's... lines with the Cowboys where they got banged up, and, you know, the Steelers, the... and all these powerhouse offensive I mean, lines. the Redskins before they got banged right. up. Right, and, and you just look at the offensive lines. You don't, some of the teams, wow, that's great. But, you know, this is a group of guys that works well together, and they're so well coached. The only time I remember Brady getting touched is on the controversial P.I. call, Sonny Michelle ran wild. He ran out. He ran out. Will and I'm a little surprised that Donnie Sarkisio did not get any head coaching. You know, you know consideration. Yeah. You know, Brian Flores looks like he'll be the next head coach of the um, Dolphins. Well, I think I know why Donnie Scarnecki didn't get any head coaching offers. Enlighten me. He doesn't know Sean McVay. <laughs> I mean, Zach Taylor, who's what? He's 35, I believe. He's going to be, or is, you know, reportedly. I don't know, but I love that. To be, but it's like, Choice. to be the next head coach of the, um, you know. I would have. The sus- Bengals, Matt LaFleur, he was um the Rams OC I think, last year. I think or not, in 2017. Eric Bellamy did a really nice job. Bellamy. 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 I, I think he did a yeah. great job. It's interesting. His role was very Bengals. interesting because. Andy Reid was the play caller, mm-hmm. but he was almost like the play caller advisor Bianami was because every, you know, drive or so, every few plays they would check in. It would be almost like Bianami would suggest the plays and Reid would either confirm or share his insight. It was almost like, you know, they would go back and forth just having interesting, you know, which play here, mm-hmm. which play there. If this hap- if X happens, let's do Y. And then Mike McCarthy just goes... Well, Mike McCarthy, he only wanted the Jets job. That's the yeah, only job he I was mean, interested in. Um, I think the Browns... hire Adam Gase. That's within, who just came from the Dolphins, too. Yeah, and obviously he knows the division, so that'll be interesting. The Gase hiring is... It's not that I didn't think he'd be a head coach again, I or... I think he could be a defensive coordinator. Head coach. Adam Gase? Yeah. Well, you know, he was an O.C., before. Sorry, often because he worked with a uh, Cutler Sorry. when he was pretty good. He worked with Peyton, uh, Peyton Manning. Sorry, offensive coordinator, I misspoke. Um, but the thing with Adam Gase is, has he had enough time to kind of step back and debrief? Look what look at what went right because they did make the playoffs his first year, and look at what went wrong because obviously downhill kind of from there. Um, I think you just have to go with the experience. If you're the Jets, I go with the... McCarthy's someone who wants to be there. I hated what he did at the Packers play calling this year. But I think you got to go with experience. You have to sit down with him. And he's won he the Super better. Bowl. Yeah. He's groomed... I mean, 
he was there from when Aaron Rodgers was drafted to, in terms of talent, one of the best quarterbacks. Yeah. So, Darnold, who I saw a lot of potential in Sam Darnold this past year. I think, you know, for the Jets, maybe the first time in since they won the Super Bowl with Joe Namath, it's, look, it's pointing up. Oh, it, I agree. It's trending and way up. The Jets are, have a ton of cap space. They're going to be a contender for that late on those sweepstakes. They have uh, over $100 million. The only team that has more is the, the Indianapolis Colts. Colts. Right, they're scary, too. And talk about coaching. You know, Charles McDaniels kind of screwed them. Look what Frank Reich did. Oh, Frank. You I have think to give Frank, the utmost respect to Frank I think Frank Reich. Turning this organization around. I think Frank I Reich mean, should be in the con, um, consideration for Coach of the Year. No, I don't disagree. But I think we have to. Matt I think Nagy. it has to be Matt Nagy because. No. Well, you, I mean, remember the three finalists. The three finalists, in my opinion, should be Nagy, right, and Pete, and Pete Carroll, who I don't think is getting wow. enough credit because okay. we all th- we all thought the Seahawks were going into I didn't a think massive. Russell Wilson was getting enough credit, but you're you're going to give that to Pete Carroll. Well, because I think we thought Russell Wilson and who. But this, but this team, they led the NFL in rushing. They decided we're gonna run the ball and we're gonna live and die by that. Well, so and for they, the Ravens, the second half of the year. Yeah, I just think, um, yeah, no, Harbaugh did a great job. Uh, you know, he just got a four-year extension. Um, you know, uh, Shy and I, we went to the Ravens Steelers game in Baltimore, where that this, team looked completely different. And not that they didn't look different, but then there were reports that will Harbaugh last. Right. The rest of the season, let alone get a new four-year extension. But kind of going back to Pete Carroll, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he did with the overall um, team of the Seattle Seahawks. You know, just kudos, kudos to him because, mm-hmm. you know, I certainly thought, you know, if Josh Rosen played well for the Cardinals and, you know, obviously Grappler never stayed healthy, but I thought the Seahawks, you know, had a chance to be one of the worst teams in that division. But yeah, great I job! Mean, great job by um, Pete Carroll. Um, even I mean, Legion Legion of Boom was almost done, and then Earl Thomas gets injured. So you know, just yeah. great great job by Pete Carroll. Great job. Oh, yeah, I think he's very just coaching the team. But I think you have to look at Matt Nagy again, and you just you you don't have any Andrew Luck, and he's able to shape this defense. I mean, obviously, Khalil Mack helped. And I mean, he's four. He's it's another. Able, it's yeah. another young offensive mind. He was with the Chiefs um, last but year. I think. Yeah, so I he's think, forty, maybe now forty-one years old. So he's another one of those young um, guys who got hired. Um, you know. Yeah, he is an offensive mind, but I feel like some of his credit has to go with how he's how on the defensive side of the ball too, because Vic Fangio has been there, and well, now he's not there anymore. He's not there anymore, <laughs> but he's he was there, and I think. You know, obviously they get Camille Mack, but you know, he's able to develop, you know, Eddie... Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith, Eddie, Eddie Jackson, Jack. who's, I think, in my opinion, the best safety in football. But free, think, free safety. Man. I think in all football, safety position, no matter... like, but Including Strong? Including Strong, in my okay. opinion. Okay. But I think... I think that he deserves so much credit... I think he did a great job of developing. I see some signs of the Chiefs' offense. You have, like, Trey right. Burton, Travis Kelsey. The way they use Taylor Gabriel, I think, is But I think awesome. the biggest thing for Nagy is you look at the progression of, of Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky, Trubisky and you say, wow, and, that, and that's what's got them there. I mean, where have we seen a quarterback from year one to go to year two like that before? Oh, Jared Goff, right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, let's kind of get into more of Super Bowl preview. Okay. Um, Rams-Patriots, obviously... You know, we're rooting for the Rams. Rams, right. 
I, you know, if I were to pick, I'm, we would both pick I'm going Patriots. with New England. But I just think the experience. I have, I have a little bit of a, I agree with you completely on the experience. I think New England is hotter. I think New England is, you know. Been there, know. done that. Been there, done that. I New hope Zealand. not because they would tie the Steelers record for Super Bowl wins, which I do so cherish. But I, I hope they don't. I but I I I would pick the Patriots, but I have a hunch that the Rams are going to win. Two reasons. Well, I think the Rams do two things very well. That the Patriots. Can I? Can I guess? Guys. Can I? For you me, can guess. Yeah. For me, I don't know if that's what this is what you think, but Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue. Yeah. I'm a Giants fan, so obviously I'm. I don't even get how how is how is it that hard to be Tom Brady? First of all, I mean mm-hmm. it's not that hard. I mean, Giants did it twice. Ugh. Don't know why it's that mm-hmm. hard. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, they got pressure using four. They got pressure up the middle. You know, Matthias Kiwanuka, Justin Tuck, Chris Canty, Jason Pierre-Paul. And it's so the Rams have Aaron Donald, who's been and a little... Who's been a little quiet the last two weeks in Aaron Donald? Because not, I think the main... But Ndamukong Sue has been a force these last two games. You know, mm-hmm. Aaron Donald, 20 and a half sacks in the regular season. Team said, we're not going to let him beat us. Cowboys and then the Saints. So then Ndamukong Sue has been a force both in the pass game and the running game. Whether it was sacks, yeah. hits, or just disrupting the play, uh-huh. Ndamukong Sue has been a force. So if you also can, Dante Fowler. Dante Fowler. I'm right now. I'm talking more like um, in, interior. I know, but I'm saying he can still get to you from I that mean, edge. Look what look what happened against the Saints. He he came up with a winning play. He he, yeah. he hit Brady's or Breeze's arm, and it allowed for the uh, interception. So I think if you can get pressure on Brady, especially on the interior with Sue and Donald, and make it a tough day for Brady, because remember the Chiefs didn't do anything. You know, Chiefs I, didn't get to Brady all day long. Brady yeah. had what he wanted. The second thing I think that's obviously a big part of the equation. The they also thing need is, to stop Sony Michelle. Right, because Sony thing, Michelle has set up right. Brady and Edelman and Gronk. Besides the defensive line, the second thing is that they're, the Rams running here. If they can run it up the gut, keep Gurley, Tom Brady off Gurley the field. Gurley and Anderson. They and, need both guys. They need that great duo yeah. that they had against the um, Cowboys. Right. They ran for I believe nearly three hundred yards. They right. need that running game, if not they, the one against the they Saints. They can shale that running game, you know, use that to their advantage, keep Brady off the field, and try to put less pressure on Jared Goff and let his sort of inconsistent and not let his inconsistencies show and kind of just use that running game, get behind that offensive line that I think has been, you know, very good this year. I think the Rams have a very good shot at being very competitive in this game. I think a matchup that in my opinion, means in the Patriots' favor uh-huh. that the Rams need to do a better job on and try to, you know, win. Corey Littleton versus James White. James White is unbelievable in the playoffs, and especially the Super Bowl when he's catching the ball. Against the Chargers, he had, like, an NFL playoff record And you record, think Corey Littleton catches. is going to match up against him? I mean... Because you don't know what Sean McVay is going to do there. I don't know. Plus, Wade, well, Wade Phillips will be mostly coaching the defense. And the last time, really, we had a Wade Phillips versus Bill Belichick was when in the AFC Championship game when the Broncos beat the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl. So Wade Phillips knows what it takes to beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. But I think, I mean, it might not be Corey Littleton. It might be someone else. But 
if I had to guess right now, I'd say it'd be Corey Littleton. I think Littleton has that sort of versatility, though. I think he's sort of shown that. I think he's developing nicely for this team. It's not just Littleton, though. It's just more of the talent of James White mm-hmm. and that it's these quick little screens that, you know, you get two, three guys in front of White, and it was a two-yard screen, and now all of a sudden it's, you know, you, yeah. you it's a 25 yards down kinda, the field. It kind of reminds me of the Bears running game with the Thunder and Lightning with Jordan Howard and uh, Terry Cohen. I think that's more of the Rams. You think it's more of the Rams? Gurley. I mean, Gurley I know. Gurley and Anderson. Gurley and Anderson. And the, I don't know what the other thing would be. No, but no. <laughs> but yeah, CJ Anderson. Gurley had two drops. If you look at it, he had the drop, which ended up in the Demario Davis's hands for the pick, and then down near the um, you know deep in Saints territory, he was wide open. He just missed it, and it would have been a first down. He needs to shore up his hands. He needs to catch the ball. Gurley out of the backfield. You know he needs to do better than that, and he's a great pass catching running back. He just had an off day, but they need him to show up as a runner. Yeah. And as a receiver, if they're going to have any chance at beating the Patriots. And I also think this, I mean, they got to also, you're going to need to throw the ball, I think. I think the, the Rams' offensive line needs to be big. Because you're going to need to throw the ball one time or another. And you're going to need Goff to have time. Uh, because turnovers, you need to win the turnover. You need to not turn the ball over and get the Patriots you can't, position. You can't, whether it's turnovers or... Just penalties. You can't have any mistakes. You can't give Brady and Belichick extra chances. You can't make mistakes against this team because they will make you pay for it. Right, and I just I think major or minor mistakes. They'll make I you think pay the, for it. This offensive line is going to be key if they can hold the point of attack and just get out in front and let these these great running backs get behind them. So the run. I feel like in both cases the run sets up the pass, but Jared Goff is incredible. Um play action. He's un... And that's also, right. you know, you credit... But you need Chum- to be consistent with that running game for that play action to work, right? Yeah. So. They also run a lot of jet sweeps. So I think McVeigh like, is going to be very creative. I think, uh, you know, I, in terms of creativity, I think the Rams will put on a you, lot of How much of things. this do you think is going to be a coaching battle, McVeigh versus Belichick? I think it... I think it's going to be huge. Mm. Um, but I also think it'll be Wade Phillips against Josh McDaniels. I because I get those aren't the head well. coaches, but like what McDaniels has done, especially you know against the Chiefs, but also the Chargers. He just get. I mean, every every play, every third third and ten, who's the ball going to? Julian Edelman or Gronkowski? Probably Edelman. I sometimes Gronk, but you have to take away at least one of them, you know, fully because Edelman, you know. I feel like when we, the Patriot or Patriots convert three third downs, third and nine, third and ten, third and ten in their overtime drive. And it, it just it just and, kept it was, and like, it's like everybody knew they were gonna convert. You know, it, it was just it would have been a bit over the middle. Everyone's like, "Oh, Tony Rombo's a psychic." It's not that hard to predict to, uh, Julian Edelman over the middle, and then it kept happening. And then finally, they bring the safety. I think it was Sorensen down to guard against the. Um, Crossing route by Edelman. Oh, and then they just hit Gronk for a slant, fifteen yards, easy. Was peasy. it a slant? Or was it a fade? Um, the over. I'm talking about the overtime drive, which was a slant. Oh, okay, but there okay. was another. There was the fade. There though. was the fade right. earlier the, in the game. Okay. So yeah, no, there, twice. You know, they Big hit. Catches you know, they Gronk, right. they try to shore up Edelman, and then 
Brady just went to uh, Gronk, um, which, you know, two guys who you can really rely on. And then you have James White. Patriots, they don't have, I feel like, you know, Gronk's been okay. Edelman's obviously been great. But they don't have that guy. They don't have, like, an incredible, you know, threat. But they have a lot Josh of really Gordon good ones. He's, you know, left. You know. Personal issues. But they have a lot of really good threats in Edelman, in Gronk, in yeah. White. And for all we know, Hogan's going to have a show. Like, and we're talking keep, about all these guys. And you keep saying, like, when's the Patriots finally, when's the puzzle going to finally, when, like, when is it play Jenga? You know, when you remove the things. When are you going to remove finding that thing and the tower goes crashing down? I don't know. They, Maybe really, they bring that next man up mentality to a whole new level. Like, right. you know, we're talking about Edelman and White and Gronk. It's gonna because we're talking about him. Hogan's gonna have the big game, right? I mean, I feel like that's what we talk about with the Patriots. We talk about two or three guys. They do well, but then it's like that fourth, fifth guy who really steps up and gets. Now you know, I think it'd be very interesting if, if Gronkowski retires. You know, because there's been a lot of speculation about that. I wonder if how how that would sort of translate. In, into that passing game, you know, because you were like, oh, they don't have any more weapons. They can't possibly be good enough. Yeah, I think they might well, do it again. Well, okay, first of all, Gronk's been injured every year. Right. So we've said that about Gronk many times. And Edelman tore his ACL. Then he was suspended. So we've said that about many times. At this point, you know, I'm, I, I'm yawning if, oh, they don't have enough weapons. I'm yawning at that fact because we've said it so many times. And here we are. They're in the Super Bowl. And, you know, time and time again, they prove. That, you know, they prove us wrong. And it's, at this point, it's not much of a surprise. Okay, so I think at this, you know, what's about Antonio Brown? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, Shai, I'm going to, you're a Steelers fan. Right. So, I'm going to let you start. And then we also have Seth Riker, who's a big 49ers fan in studio. So, obviously the Niners have been one of the more, have been one of the teams rumored to have the most interest Jerry Rice came out a few weeks ago and said how Antonio Brown wants to go to the Niners, quote, really bad. Um, you know, a few, right after the Week 17, you know, whole shenanigan, mm-hmm. um, there were, I think it was uh, on Twitter, uh, George Kittle, their um, uh, Pro Bowl tight end, the 49ers Pro Bowl tight end, and Antonio Brown were kind of going back and forth, tweeting emojis and everything. So I'm just going to leave it to you, Shy, then. Seth, you can jump right in afterwards with your opinion from your perspective. Do you want me to talk about sort of the situation or sort of a, about I think, him and the 49ers? Well, I feel like talk about the situation and then talk about not specifically the Niners, but just as a Steelers fan in general. Okay. Um, what you, you know, not not maybe just a, a trade, a possible trade in general, not specifically to San Fran. I think one. The Steelers have most of the leverage here in this sort of trade offers. In- interesting, because I think, I don't think Brown That's, wants to be there. I don't think Brown likes Big Ben anymore. But the Steelers still have the leverage. It's not like the Le'Veon Bell situation. The, if the Steelers wanted to, I think the Steelers could sit down with Brown and, and potentially... But will Brown sit down with the Steelers? Maybe Cause, not. Because I don't think that's happening anytime soon. The thing but he's, that, he's, the under, he's under contract. For three, mean, more, three more three years. Three more years. I don't... I don't I, I think that could happen. 
I don't think the Steelers want to do that. I don't think they have right to be. They they're rightfully so. You know, it's, Antonio Brown got hot early in the season. Here's all the shenanigans with throwing his furniture out the window. <laughs> and the water the cooler. Water cooler. Someone trying to drive his attention. He kind of right. you know just pulls away. I mean, him talking. He's a hot Being head. frustrated He's a hot and, and saying how much we suck. The Steelers suck and. And, you know, he's one of the best. You know, I was there at the Saints game. He is unbelievable. His production is insane. But, you know... That's not what we're denying here, though. We're not denying here. We all know what he can do on a football field. And I think this situation is sort of him. I think it's been brewing over a few years. I think it's kind of Tomlin, too. I think it's interesting because, you know, Tomlin's always getting criticized for his lack of discipline, right? And now he's sort of doing something, right? He's disciplining, you know, in a way. And I think it's wasn't enough, though. I don't know. I think you know because Antonio Brown I doesn't. Like, Antonio Brown's like fine, you know. Suspend me for the week seventeen game. See if I care. I still want out. I yeah, just, I, I still. Mean, don't, I don't have a good relationship. So then, the one problem I have with Big Ben. He's no, not but like, let's not talk about Big Ben. I just want to say one. I just want to say one thing. He went on a radio show right at like close. Yeah. I think like the Wednesday or something after, and he was at, uh, after week seventeen, and he was asked, and he's like, "Oh yeah, and Tony Brown are, and I are good friends. I met, I, yeah, I've texted him, I've called him numerous times. He hasn't called me back, but we're good friends. Like, come on, he hasn't returned any of your messages. Yeah, that that doesn't that doesn't seem right. I don't know about the relationship. There's there's been you see these pictures of them hugging, you see all this stuff, but Report, I think there's the, definitely not great feelings there. I think. That the, the scuffle, you know, there's like the report scuffle Brown had with the teammate. I believe he threw a football at Big Ben. I believe it was with Ben. No, Rothen. I don't disagree. Big Ben I think I don't think they, there, there's a connection they have on the field at least. That's un. That's just that's uh almost just it's crazy. You know, I haven't seen this in a long time. They have a connection on the field. He knows where he's gonna be. He gets the ball there. It's one. It's the best connection in the league still, in my opinion. It will be a shame to see that go. I think it will go. And frankly, I think it should go. I think Brown doesn't want to be there. The Steelers are done with him. This has been brewing over several years. I, I think- mean, it started really a few years ago when he was on, I believe, Instagram Live, you know, videotaping, you know, live Mike Tomlin's post-playoff. Play- this was a playoff game. This yeah. was the AFC divisional round the Chiefs. against the Chiefs. We won they were, that game, I believe. Yeah. Yes, no, you won. Eight, but you, you were won. you the had game you scored six field goals. Yeah, it was like eighteen to sixteen, I believe. Um, you were, you know, Mike Tomlin was giving his po- his post game speech. There's a, you know, I've heard that it was actually about um, social media and to stay off it. And yet, during this anti-social media, not not exactly anti-social media, but to stay off social media speech. Antonio Brown is doing Instagram Live no, of this like, speech. He needs to have respect for Tomlin. He's showing that he does. He's abandoning his players on Week 17. You know, he's not communicating to the team, which shows, you know, he doesn't want to be there. This crucial game, he's abandoning his players. He's, he's abandoning his teammates. The Browns are, And I, he's showing lack of respect for his coach. And he's being, a, frankly, a diva. I don't care what Antonio Brown has to say about it. That's that what a diva is. He puts himself before the team, before the coaching staff. He's above everybody else. Let's and, just say not all. Not, he's not the only wide receiver diva. <laughs> but right, and, I think it would have it been more interesting if the Browns beat the Ravens and the Steelers won the division. 
You think, what do you think would have happened? Do you think you think obviously you, then Antonio the Steve, Brown would play the playoffs? I don't know, because then the Steelers are playing the next week. And then there's humongous distraction hanging over their heads. They I mean, play the Chargers at home. But, I mean, st- away, home, Chargers, whoever, they have this distraction. So we're going to bring in Seth now. Seth well, I just want to finish one thing. Yeah. Finish. I think on the possibility of a trade from a stage stream a second, my perspective personally, I think if you can get good value for him, you should not hesitate. I think... I think well, the, well, what would of, you say good value is? I think a good value is late to mid-first round draft pick or a second round draft pick in addition with a early second round addition of a young developing player. And I think that's, you know, a receiver on the wrong side of 30 with his great production. I think that should be enough. I think this is completely different. Although, I want to say something. This is a completely different situation in two different ways without number 19, Hugh Smith-Schuster. Well, now, I mean, it doesn't help. Yeah, yeah going back to having, Big Ben being a poor leader. Right. It doesn't help Juju, when you say, Juju, we should have thrown the ball to number 19. Let, let me finish. Be smart, Big finish. Ben. Big Ben isn't the best, but I think he's... In terms of leader, he's awful. I don't know if he's... I wouldn't say awful, but I he definitely needs to think improve. he's the best. He needs to he improve. He needs to improve But greatly. I think he's... I think Juju has become his favorite target. He's also irritated by a little bit. I think... When he over... So when he overthrows James Washington, he gets pissed at James Washington. Okay, enough. Enough. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying that well, Big Ben's leadership has tons of flaws. And it does although, have tons yes, of flaws. we are blaming Antonio Brown, we should also be blaming Ben Roethlisberger for his, I guess, lack of leadership qualities. Okay, but is it is it you're are you blaming Ben Rob? Let me just are you blaming Ben Roethlisberger for this situation? Not fully, but I think there has to be some blame to go to him. Okay. I think there has to be some. I guess that's fair. But I think from I think Juju plays a big role in this. I think because I don't think the Steelers think about trading him if Juju's not developing into a number one clear number one receiver with over fourteen fourteen hundred yards, and I think. He's. I think it's going to be interesting to see them. I don't. Play I think out. if Juju was an okay receiver and wasn't and wasn't producing, I think it might I don't think. It. I don't know if this would have ever started because yeah. Antonio Brown wants to be the number one guy. Whether he hasn't, I guess, said that word for word, but he in a way has made that letter clear. He wants to be the one. He wants to be the number one. You know, and, well, he, and it doesn't want to be close. I he think, wants to be the number one by far on a team. He wants to be the guy, the star in you know whatever team or city he plays for. No, I think he, I think he's that. I think that's a, again a diva quality, and I think you know a lot of wide receivers are divas. I think it's I'm, I'm time, Giants fan. Oh, that was a huge. Diva. I think it's time for the Steelers to move on if they can get good value. If they can get good value, now on the Forty ers point. Okay, so can they get good value from this team? I so Seth, I'm going to start you off with a question. You're on the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. If you're John Lynch. The GM, do you trade that number two overall pick for Antonio Brown if the Steelers propose it? Uh, I'm not so sure. I think it has a lot to do with what happens with the first pick and the Arizona Cardinals and if they draft Nick Bosa. Because what right what now, if the Steelers call you before the draft? Because well, I think that cause Antonio Brown, he's on a signing bonus the uh, fourth, fifth day of the... $2 million signing, but right. Like the 18th or 17th, depending if it's the fourth or fifth day of the Steelers new league year. But I also think if the Steelers so I think get a, the value of a number two overall pick, they may pay that bonus and still be able to do that. But I think 
Yeah, the 49ers are getting the best, the best receiver in the league. They're in a way, sort of a, they're kind of being in a win down situation. A guy who you want, I know you want the number two. You would do the number two overall pick. Well, for Brown. yeah, but we're a little. I don't think it's necessarily a bad trade for for the 49ers, but it really depends on the own situation. I would like to hear Seth's perspective. I mean, I also feel that one thing that the 49ers have to take into account is that Antonio Brown is getting a little bit older. He just turned 30, I think. Yeah. So when they think about it, there are three left years left on his contract, and right. additionally, very affordable though. I yes, think it's an right? affordable contract, but at the same time, he's thirty. He has been producing very well. Fifteen touchdowns at least. Very, there. very well on a great team with multiple receivers, and before the Le'Veon Bell incident. They had a great running back, and they had a great secondary receiver in Juju Smith. They still have a very good running back in James Conner, but he is no less. Yeah, and that just proves, but he's younger, and and that just not asking for a certain amount of money. And that just proves the system. They they took out Le'Veon Bell, and they replaced him with another running back that nobody had heard of in James Conner. And he's producing. And he's producing. So I it just goes. I think that speaks to the running back position exactly. more than anything, though. And we're talking about more of Antonio Brown than receiver. Yes. Just, yeah. But I feel like that has to give some credit to Mike Tomlin as a coach and the Steeler system. So if I was John Lynch, one thing that I would worry about in this situation is if the production of Brown has to uh, correlate directly with the system that he's in. And although, and it's also a very, very different system in, on the West Coast. Because it's a West Coast offense. And Kyle Shanahan, he can do a lot with... Younger, very flexible players, but I'm not sure totally if it will work out. With just, so, wait, just one to add to that, Seth, oh. Ben Roethlisberger and that connection that I was talking about, how much does that factor into production on a different team? How much do you get takes away? Because I think Ben Roethlisberger and Tony Brown, they both take away. If one of them's not there, they both don't seem as well. Because I remember when they're injured, they just don't have that same connection. Oh, extremely, extremely. They've been working to, with each other for so many years. But the thing about some of the 49ers players, and specifically I'm talking about George Kittle right now, we had three different QBs in all of our games this year. We had C.J. Beerthard, Nick Mullins, and Jimmy Garoppolo. He produced extremely well under extreme pe- pressure. He on sets his... the record for most receiving yes, yards exactly. by a tight end in a single season. So the, would you do the tri- if the number two overall for Brown... If it was, you know, it's probably going to be around mid to early March, which, you know, that's when they're going to try to trade Brown. So, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Nick Bosa. We don't know what's going to happen with the number one pick. What would you do? I just have a feeling that there will be more options to come. But if it's just the number two pick and the 49ers decide to maybe trade down to the number five pick or something that's still a very good pick and they get value for maybe a second round, a third round, a fourth round, and another player... That I feel like maybe number five, number six pick, if and they, they trade that to the Steelers, ne- that would be immensely I, successful for the 49ers. I just think, though, that I, if they trade down, I think it'll be to six or seven. That's when the Giants and Jaguars are picking. Or the Jets. Well, Jets have the three pick, and I don't think the Jets are on the market for a quarter. Like, I think they're the Jets. I mean, are Josh just, Allen. Josh Allen. Think about Quinn, Quinn Williams. But I they, think they need uh, defensive help. But they have so, Leonard Williams. I also think they might be in the market for Jonah Williams, offensive tackle out of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Jets are in a position where they'll keep the three pick. They don't want to give up any assets, and they'll just take the best player available. So I think if you are going to trade down, it'll be about the sixth or seventh pick. And I think you might not trade down till draft night if you don't trade for AB. Exactly. So I think, but I think AB will be traded, 
if if traded at all, I think it'll be traded at least a month, maybe even two months. And right? additionally, oh, the a 40, month and a half before the, the draft. The 49ers are so in an unusually good but position. I don't think that right Art Rooney is going to be. I think Art Rooney is going to be very patient with this deal because he knows he's is a great receiver, and I don't think he's going to. Uh, I think he's he won't only rush, if he but fat, I, if, if he won't rush. But he'll try to get a deal done as fast as possible. And I feel like the 49ers are in a great position right now. Because no matter what they do, and I have immense trust in John Lynch right now. He has done such a great job turning around this organization. Although we have we have struggled a little bit, a lot the, tra- of the, tra- the transition has been great. From John Harbaugh walking out of the organization and going to Michigan, yeah, so, having um, Kyle you Shanahan... Met Jim. Jim Harbaugh, that's John, on me. Yeah, John yeah. Harbaugh signed an extension signed with the extensions. Ravens. Yeah, that's on me. Um, no, you're they've done a really good job so far, and I feel like Kyle Shanahan was the perfect signing for this team. And he has just shown his Another ability. Another young, offensive-minded yes. coach. Yes, yes. Um, a lot of these guys are coming from the Redskins. Yeah, I think that's another important thing. Oof. Um, to them. And I just think that we're in a great so- situation no matter what we do. Because if we decide... Not to um, create a a like if we decide not to trade the pick, then we're in a great situation because we can potentially get Josh Allen or Nick Bosa, or we can trade down and get another player. And if we do get Brown, we get a great receiver and a great system that will have immense rewards and possibly Forty ers in the playoffs in two or three years. But yeah. right now, just- I don't. Th- I don't think they're gonna. Trade the number two pick for Brown, but uh, I just want to see as perspective. a right neutral now, fan. Are you going to trade? Let's number say two pick for now. right now. This is if if the tra- if you had to make a decision today with the draft in a couple of months and right well, three now, months actually. Yeah, right now number two pick for Brown and I, I and, just don't see it happening right now. But we're assuming, would you do it? Not not do you see it happening or not? Would but you if do you it? Were jo- and we're, if you were John, you were John Lynch. Absolutely. Assume- Absolutely. You would if, ab- I would John, if I was John Lynch, I would absolutely do that deal. Number two overall for Brown. Yes. Okay. Especially because Nick Bosa is likely going number one. Yeah, assuming so, he goes number one. There are so, thing- so, so many defensive other players who are in the two, three, four, five range. Yeah, the, yeah. One, the one thing, one quick note um, before I have to go about Nick Bosa. The Connors, I think, are moving back to a 3-4 defense. So there are rumors that maybe they'll go Josh Allen who fits that scheme better. Anyway, that's all the time we have for today. Thank uh, you, Seth, for coming yes, in. Yes, thanks, thanks, Seth, for, having for, me. for coming in, sharing your thoughts on maybe a different perspective than I know Shy and I would have. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thanks. Yeah, thank you, guys.